You artists have a special relationship to beauty. Beauty, like truth, brings joy to the human heart. Beauty is an invitation to savor life and a dream of the future. Beauty is a key to the mystery and a call to transcendence. Beauty is the vocation bestowed on you by the Creator. And the gift of artistic talent. None can sense more deeply than you, artists. Ingenious creators of beauty that you are. That beauty will save the world. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to JP2 Radio for another episode of Letter to Artists. Brought to you from The Vault at John Paul the Great Catholic University, this show is inspired by the beloved St. Pope John Paul II's encyclical, Letter to Artists, and led by artists from our community who desire to share with you their journey in creativity and their journey of faith through the development of their artistic talents. I am your host, Bailey Garland. Each week, I have been chatting with different artists as we explore a different creative medium. So on this week's show, we have two very special guests, two students from um, John Paul the Great Catholic University, both in post-production. One later in the show is a very dear friend of mine. We actually live together. Her name is Abby Ross, um, and she is beautifully strong in the faith, and she has um, a deep passion for editing and post-production, and um, she's quite talented, so you'll definitely want to hear all of her wisdom and all that she has to say. But for now, I will be chatting with Simon Michael just after I uh, remind you of the Pope John Paul II quote that'll be guiding us. Um, And he is a senior at JP Catholic. Um, He's engaged. He's doing all of the things, getting ready for his life outside of our walls. So it'll be really cool to hear what he has to say as he prepares for um, his career. I just want to remind you that this was all inspired by our namesake, St. Pope John Paul II, and his encyclical letter to artists, where he encouraged all artists to reclaim their vocation to beauty. Each week, we've been reflecting on a different golden nugget from the wisdom of our late yet beloved Pope. This week, we'll be guided by these words. Art has a unique capacity to take one or other facet of the message and translate it into colors, shapes, and sounds, which nourish the intuition of those who look or listen. It does so without emptying the message itself of its transcendent value and its aura of mystery. With this in mind, let's turn to our first guest, Simon Michael. Welcome, Simon. Hello. Thank you for having me, Bailey. Oh, I'm so excited that you're here. Do you mind just um, leading us in a prayer? Sure. Great. All right. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us life. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for all the gifts that you bestow on us each day. We thank you for revealing your beauty to us in so many ways. Help us to be attentive to you. Help us to see you in everything, to see your beauty, and to have open hearts so that it might transform us and lead us into a deeper union with you. Amen. Amen. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Simon. Mm-hmm. Why don't we just start with you telling us a little bit about yourself? Who are you, Simon Michael? <laughs> Okay, I am Simon Michael. Um, <laughs> I love chocolate milk. Um, that's all you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> and we're done. Cut. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Um, yeah, I love filmmaking. I love the Catholic faith. I love art. Um, I love people. Um, I am a senior here at JP Catholic, getting ready to graduate, which is, which is very exciting. Um, 
Yeah. That's incredible. That's, that's the quick rundown, yeah. Were you um, a cradle Catholic? Have you been Catholic your whole life? Yes, I have been. Wow. Uh, I'm the second oldest of seven. Oh, wow. Um, grew up Catholic. Um, Where are you from? I am from Minnesota, but I grew up in Oregon. Oh, really? So, yeah, I know the Pacific Northwest, and I have, haven't been back there in a number of years, but it's... Oh, wow. Were yeah. you, um like, did you move when you were young, or...? Yeah, so I was born in Minnesota, Okay, but we moved out there when... I was really little. Okay, and that's I cool. Lived there for like fifteen years and then moved back. Oh wow! So, yeah. And um, you know, with a big family, were you guys homeschooled or did you go to public yeah, school? Yeah, yeah, I was homeschooled. Loved that experience. Really? Home, yeah. I I would not be the person I am today without homeschooling. Oh wow! Um, gave me the opportunity to explore a lot of things, and um, yeah, it's a great homeschooling is amazing. Oh, that's really cool. So. Was it through like your post production and you're in and I know a very popular editor here on our <laughs> campus. Yeah. Um, was it like in in your homeschooling? Did you have ex like were you exposed to yeah. post production so, or so how did that work? Yeah, that's an interesting story. So I was so what got me into film actually is music and um, I've been so I, I started taking piano lessons when I was five years old wow. and have been you know playing piano and doing music ever since. Um, and so in high school, I actually got into like uh recording my my music and and um composing music and recording it and then i also got into making performance music videos of the stuff i would record and at each time i did that they got fancier and fancier and i started to learn all all about like cameras and filming and and actually there's a lot of editing that has to go into you know performance music videos and like you have to sync the the video with the the track and stuff like that. And, um, so I, I, that's how I started learning about editing. And, um, that was a, like, and I, I was copying guys like the piano guys. I don't know if you've seen that. And like, the, like their, their videos are very cinematic and beautiful. And, and so I, um, eventually I got like, I got this piano off, uh, Craigslist, like a baby grand piano. Oh wow! And I would like, pull it out into these fields and like into the woods and like set up my cameras and um and then I would film that and edit that and and I I as I was doing that obviously I loved music and for a while I thought I wanted to be a musician professionally um but like I I realized how much I love video and film and and that came very naturally to me too and those two mediums obviously have a lot of crossover and like a lot of the skills um, in music can be transferred into, to film. Um, and so I was actually studying music after, after high school, um, uh, from Berkeley college of music for about a year and a half. Oh, wow. And then I was just kind of losing, um, I don't know, I felt like called, like I really wanted to do something. Um, I, I, I wanted to be around more like Catholic artists. Um, and I also just felt like I, I always love, will love music, but I didn't feel like I wanted it to be my career. Yeah. Um, uh, but I was doing some film work on the side and it was just going well and it, it seemed like the next move. And so I, I just Googled Catholic film school cause I was like, maybe I can transfer somewhere, you know, and, um, found JP Catholic came out here and, um, the rest is history. We <laughs> met a ton of good people, yeah. um, and learned a lot about, about filmmaking and, it's a very beautiful art form. Oh, praise God. So that's kind of like my path. And, and so, yeah, in, in homeschooling, like I had, a, I had a lot of opportunity to just spend hours and hours working on these music projects, you know? Um, and that's really what 
brought me here. You know, that was the beginning of it. So. And I know a lot of um, like a big part of the post-production of a film would be like the scoring. Have you ever thought about doing yeah, film so scores? Yeah, when so I, when I was studying music, like the thing I was most interested in was scoring. And oh, so I took cool. a number of scoring classes and I mm-hmm. actually... I have scoring, like I know how to score films and stuff. No like, way. Yeah, I don't tell people that here because like <laughs> I have enough work that I have to do. I don't want to start scoring people's films too. But um, oh, that's I funny. Love, no, I I'm very interested in film scores and and wow. when especially when it comes to editing too. Like I love editing. Like just the um, the way music works in an edit is is huge. And like I feel like my background as a musician really helps me just have a good intuition and 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 onto how that works. Oh, I bet. Um, and yeah, music, music like brings an edit to life. Um, so. Oh, I, yeah, I could totally see that. And, and I know the sound is such a huge part of the post-production. If the sound is bad, the whole film is off. So, um, how, like, what is the process like for you then to sit down and, and edit a film? I'm, I'm guessing you have a lot of experience on short films. Do you have any feature lengths under your belt or anything? Yeah, so I, short films, short narrative films, um, uh, documentary type stuff too. I have, uh, did a longer documentary a year ago. Um, it was about 25 minutes. Um, I worked on the feature film here last year here at the school that oh, we did. Oh, cool. Um, but that was obviously split up amongst a number of editors, so mm-hmm. I didn't do the whole thing. Um, and, you know, I've done just some other, like, I don't know, general, like YouTube-style stuff, and then also sure. some just, like, uh, commercial-type stuff as well. So what does that look like for you when you're, like, given the footage? I guess maybe go for narrative or whatever yeah, one yeah, you're best sure. at. Yeah, especially, with, yeah, with narrative where you have, like, a specific storyline you're trying to tell. Obviously, I think with every type of video you're editing it all comes down to story but like especially with narrative like that's that's what it's made for and so usually usually with narrative honestly more than like documentary i i love the documentary film medium i think it's like it's my favorite um Mm. and but more than with documentary with narrative it's kind of laid out for you in a way like it's scripted and it's um shot in a certain way where you like you know the scenes are in order and and stuff but there's still depending upon the 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 way the film was shot too there's a ton of um work that has to go in in post-production to just build the story to put the story together um and that's honestly why i love editing so much is because like you're really telling the story for the third time you know it's it's told once when it's written then once when it's shot and then it's told once more cool edited because an edit can can completely like it can completely shift um like it brings the film to life really. And there's so many different ways you can edit something. <laughs> there's so many different ways, it's almost like infinite. Um, and so with like a narrative piece, like I'll get all of this, this footage. And then like the first thing is as an editor, you have to know every second of that footage um, to know what you have. And if there's multiple takes to like know the nuances of each performance. Um, and so, so I just like, I organize it obviously. And then I watch all of it through. Um, and I like put markers and notes, take notes and stuff. Um, and you watch it through like twice and then, and then you start creating like select reels of the things that you, that stood out to you that you really like. And then you just start piecing it together. Um, after that. And sometimes I like working depending upon the, the scene or whatever. I like working with music, like temp music while I'm going just to, to get the feel of it. Um, 
but especially with narrative, so much of it is comes down to like performance of the characters. And that's why I love filmmaking. Cause like, I love the people aspect of it. Um, and like acting is, is amazing. And, and just the, the little nuances of characters and like reactions, you know, the reactions people show. Um, and that's a huge technique when it comes to editing aspect narrative work is like oftentimes it's more important to show someone's reaction than to actually show what they're reacting to. Mm. And it's in a technique where you, um, you show their reaction first and you try to hold on that as long as you can before you show what they're looking at. And that can, um, create like a huge amount of suspense. Um, or, you know, it can, it can, it can do so much to the scene and it really, it really makes it human. It really make like brings you into it. Um, and so it's really just like, you know, going through it, refining and refining the edit, like, um, and then, you know, some, like some scenes that might be slower, you know, it's like about drawing it out and it's holding on the performances. Some scenes, you know, in certain styles of film, like Edgar Wright style, where it's like the, the editing is really like fast paced and like, that's like the intention of the scene. And it's supposed to have that energy. Like those are really fun too. Cause you can start cutting stuff up and like randomly throwing stuff in there, like building out the sound design. Um, do you find that you have a particular style? Well, I, I, I do, but I think it, I think it really depends on what I'm editing too. Oh, you interesting. Know? Cause you kind of want to edit, um, to serve the story. Right. Um, and there's different ways that you can, there's different ways that you can do that. Um, and everyone has kind of their own style. But I like I really try to look at the piece and see like what's going to serve the piece, what's going to like evoke the emotion that we're trying to evoke from from the audience. Oh, that's cool. Um, and then with, I mean, you're you're getting all this footage. Obviously, you work a lot individually. But how does the collaboration look between a director or maybe an assistant editor if you've got that on a project? What what would that look like? Yeah, that's that's another like aspect of post production and editing that I love too. Um, I love and filmmaking in general. I love the people aspect of it. I love how it's a collaborative art form. Yeah. It's not something that you like you can do it on your own, but you're to do it big and to do it well and um, sustainably. It's like you, you have to work with people. And I love the re relational aspect of that. I love the relationship between like the director and the editor. And um, especially I love working with directors who have like a clear vision but are like collaborative and like open because hmm. like editors can oftentimes have a really good perspective on things because right. the director was there on set, you know, all stressed out, <laughs> this thing, you know, so they, yeah. they have their own, uh, like going into it. Um, they have their own attachments to certain things, right. but the editor has a completely objective point of view because he had, he wasn't on set. So uh -huh. he's looking at this footage for the first time. And so he's going to see things the editor can't, the, the director can't see. Um, and, and so I love that relationship of like, you know, editing with the director, um, and then like building something together. Um, and I feel like that's when like the best edits come to life. Um, it's easy to get stuck if you're just working individually, uh, especially right. like if you're sitting in front of a computer in a dark room all day, you know? Um, <laughs> so, so do you often like have the director like right physically right there <laughs> with you or do you, um, you know, take the footage and then you know, do a little, do your stuff with it and then bring the director back in to like watch like takes or, or not takes, but like, I don't know what you call it. Like reels, I guess, rough drafts, or yeah, rough, cuts, yeah. rough cuts, rough cuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so here at school, not, not usually. <laughs> and a lot of times 
like the student projects that I've done here, like the directors will just like be like, Hey, edit this, you know? <laughs> but like, um, like bigger projects and more professional projects, you know, there's a lot of back and forth. Um, you know, sometimes I'll actually sit down with people, um, to review things in the beginning, or I'll sit down later on to review rough cuts and stuff and like take, you know, really detailed notes. Um, or I'll, or it'll just be like a back and forth while I'll just, I'll just send them, like I'll send some select reels to get feedback in the beginning and then I'll just send them, um, rough drafts or rough cuts as it, as it goes and, and continue refining in that way. Oh, that's uh, cool. Yeah. And then what, so you mentioned that you were on the feature film here at JP Catholic. It was O'Brawling Love back in the summer and, um, you were on the post-production team for that. What was your role there, especially with so many collaborate, like collaborative editors yeah, on that project? Yeah, that was an interesting experience. Mm -hmm. Um, I had done editing on a feature film before a little bit before that too um but there was just it was just me and, and like the the director um and but for that since it was it was a an academic project there was a class for for the for the post-production there's like eight or ten editors in mm -hmm. the class and so we kind of split it up so it was honestly just kind of like editing another short film because oh I okay had like, you know uh, 20 minutes of the film that I had to edit. Okay, gotcha. Um, and then we kind of, at the end, we we had one lead or two lead editors who pieced the whole thing together. So that was that how that worked. It was kind of an interesting experience. Oh, yeah, I bet. Um, just really quick right now, if you're anyone's just joining us, um, we are speaking with Simon Michael. He is a senior student at John Paul the Great Catholic University. We've been talking about um, his world of post-production, so how he goes about editing um, narrative short stories. He, he really likes documentaries, um, and he's done some feature film work as well. So he's been sharing about his process, about um, how he loves the collaborative aspect of the post-production world, where he gets to, to speak with the director, um, sometimes other editors, but just that back and forth with the director and um, how his objective view, because he was a he was not on set and how that can really influence the the film and how it turns out being that objective eye. Um, now we're going to pivot our conversation back to the snippet from JP2's 99 encyclical letter to artists. Um, here it is again. Art has a unique capacity to take one or other facet of the message and translate it into colors, shapes, and sounds, which nourish the intuition of those who look or listen. It does so without emptying the message itself of its transcendent value and its aura of mystery. Simon, I just want to invite you now, if you have any just right off the bat um, reflections from the snippet to invite you to share those. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's a beautiful line. Um, I think I, like the word translate stood out to me, how like art is like, it's, it's a reflection, it's a translation of God's beauty. You know, it's not, it isn't like his essence, his beauty itself, but it's like, we can, we can see a glimpse of his beauty in art. Um, and so obviously the, the, the purpose of art is, is not to distract from that. It's almost to like bring someone in and to, then to like allow them to pass through the piece of art to discover the truth, to discover um, God's beauty. And um, especially with filmmaking, like, I think that's critical to, to, to have that in mind. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's kind of cool because I just think you can see so many parallels. Um, God is so good to us and, and everything can, you know, uplift and transcend our souls if we allow it to. And even just in, in our simple crafts, like the way that, you know, um, a director will give you these pieces and then you as a editor have to kind of puzzle piece them together and, and find the, like, the most I don't even want to say the most beautiful air quotes that people can ever see me do <laughs> most beautiful parts of the film, but 
the ones that actually make sense for the overall picture of of what's being presented. And I think that's a beautiful like reflection for our lives, how um, obviously we're always being given um, goods. Like the Lord, the Lord provides us with these two goods and, and we have free will to choose which one's going to fit into the, like the movie of our life in a sense, you know, um, not that we create our own lives, but we do have free will, which allows us to choose, um, you know, of, of the things that the Lord gives us. And I think that that's a really cool, um, a really cool aspect of how, like you were saying, every editor, any, any editor gets a movie and that could be edited a thousand different ways. Um, and that's how it is with a human person. Like we could make a bunch of different decisions and our life could turn in different ways, but we have to, you know, pray and look at the footage of, you know, discern like what is the Lord actually asking of us. Um, something that I, I also thought about was I loved um, in the line, it said without emptying the message um, of and you were, you were talking about translating and, and then later it says without emptying the message itself of its transcendent value. Um, and I think for editing from the film, how does um, that, that post-production take a film and, you know, transcend its value and elevate it into something of greatness? Kind of how we were just talking about, like you see those footage and how does that work? Yeah. Yeah. So the best editing is not noticeable, mm. you know? Um, and yeah, that's true. And, and like, so the goal of the editor is to get out of the way basically, mm. but at the same time, like there's so much work required to do that well. Um, and so, like I was saying before, especially when it comes to narrative, but even like documentary work too, it's like, um, focusing on their performance or what's happening. And like, as the editor, sometimes I'm watching stuff back and like, like a moment, it'll just hit me. And like, I'll like feel like I'm about to cry or like, I'll, oh. la I'll start laughing if it's a comedy or something yeah. like in the editing room all by myself. <laughs> and like, I love talking to myself too, as I'm editing and just yeah. like being very open to like the reaction, just like letting it hit me. Um, because as an editor, I need to know, I need to know, like, I need to be attentive to that, that emotional response. Um, cause I need to know what works and what doesn't work. Oh, that's work. cool. Um, so I'm like paying very close attention to that and trying to like pay close attention to my emotions and what I feel as I'm reviewing footage and starting to cut stuff together. Um, and so, yeah, the goal of the editor is to get out of the way basically, but, um, there's like more than one way to do that. You know, that doesn't mean like fancy, cool, fast paced editing, you know, isn't doing that sometimes, um, that like creates an energy and, a, and an emotion that, that is necessary, that works. Um, but I think, <clears throat> I think, um, yeah, understanding like the, like the story is, is, is what editing serves. Um, and so, yeah, really trying to, to, to get into the story helps as an editor. Um, and to understand that, like, you're just trying to like, like we said before, like translate that story to, to the viewer. And mm. like, as an editor, sometimes you'll get like a project and it can be super chaotic, you know? And if any like normal person just sat down and like just watched it all, or even watched your rough cut, like they, they would not be emotionally engaged. Um, and so you have to be like, as an editor, it's more than just like technical computer skills. Like you have to understand emotion. You yeah. have to understand humans and how they react um, and experiment, find, find ways to um, elicit that emotion um, and 
I think that's that's the beauty of editing. Oh, that's so cool. And I really love that you're talking about this and and Abby's interview later. I, I actually interviewed her first, but she's the second interview. Um, and I know she's really big into psychology. And I think that is a great advantage to her, her as an editor, being able to like, you know, kind of read the the performance and read the room of the, like you were saying, the human person and being able to find those intricacies and, and kind of understanding how the feel of the film is supposed to be and like what is trying to be conveyed and how the human mind works and how people might perceive it, you know, all of those things. And, and as you were speaking right now, I just kept thinking what a gift is that you have to be present. Like you as the editor in order for it to be very organic, like you were saying, you have to let it hit you. Um, and I think like, that's such a, a gift to be in and able to like, remember that you have to be present just as present to the film, even though you've seen it a hundred times. Um, and I think about that, like in, in, I was just, I had an interview right before you with um, an author and we were talking about how we hear the scriptures a million times, but we still go to Sunday, you know, we're, we're required. Like, that's part of our obligation as Catholics is to go to church every Sunday. And people often are like, Oh, well, I've already heard all these things. And it's like, but how often do we forget? Um, how often are we not attentive? Are we not present to those things? So I think you as an editor can probably relate to that quite well, being like, I've watched this a million times, but I have to let it be organic. Um, Simon, just one last question. We're almost running out of time, but how has the call to editing impacted your relationship with God? I think <clears throat> editing has helped me see story better. And like um, God, like a, a lot of times, touches us through stories like obviously in the gospels he told parables you know and understanding that your life it like participating your participation in god's love is is a story in a way and maybe for an artist and and a creative person like that just makes sense to makes more sense to me um but it's really helped me see how um like you kind of have to relax into character in 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 life you know and and in in the way that god wants to work with you and um teach you and love you um, and use you, you know, to love other people too. Um, and so I think, <clears throat> I know edit, studying, editing, studying film has really helped me like, um, to, to see life in that way. And, and, and it's, it's really beautiful. Oh my gosh. Well, that's awesome. Simon, um, it's been so good to have you on the show today, um, just to share your wisdom and your knowledge, um, and all of this. So, um, we have time for a little bit more reflection if you if you want to share anything, but if not, we're going to have to end our time. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us today, Simon. You're welcome. Thank you, Bailey, for having me. All right. And that's all we have for this uh, half of letter to artists um you were just hearing from simon michael who is a post-production student finishing his time at john paul the great catholic university um it was full of some golden nuggets and just some some really awesome reflections and some some cool you know tidbits about how music influences a film um and how uh post or how editors really collaborate with directors and things like that so you're definitely going to want to want to stay tuned now for our our next segment um with abby ross so i will catch you in a little bit stay tuned and we are back in the vault with letter to artists from john paul the great catholic university and ready to hear from our second guest today as we discuss editing and all things post-production 
I am particularly excited for this interview, and I must admit, I am biased because we are pretty close. I'm pretty close with this next interviewee. She is my dear friend and roommate, Abby Ross. She has done a lot of editing in her short career from student to feature films. She also works at AARE Real Estate in Escondido as a video editor, which is pretty cool. And she also has a viral video about a movie she is particularly passionate about, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but I'll let let her tell you all about it. Welcome, Uh, Abby. Thank you, Bailey, for inviting me on the show. Yes, Bailey and I have very special bonds as roommates. So many years ago, I just made this video for my boyfriend, Chase, because we both love Sir Christopher Lee as an actor, and he played Willy Wonka's father in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And so I just made this video that was just his scenes only. So the video is called Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but it's only Sir Christopher Lee playing Dr. Wilbur Wonka, and it just, it took off for some reason. So it gives me a laugh, and apparently it gives you a laugh, too. (laughs) It's a really good video, and the funny, like, the funny thing is, is that it's really well done, (laughs) and Abby has shown it, she showed it to us um, as she was introducing her love of, of, uh, all things Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which I am not a fan of the movie, but Abby loves, and I love it strictly for Abby. So, all right, <laughs> now that we got that out of the way, um, Abby, would you like to lead us in a prayer? Yes, absolutely. Great. Godfather, thank you for allowing us to have this time today. Thank you so much for Bailey and I's friendship, how much we've grown in our faith and our love and our friendship for each other. Let this interview nourish our souls and our bodies as we grow closer to you and allow you to lead this conversation. Amen. Amen. All right. Why don't we just start with you telling us a little bit about yourself? Who is Abby Ross? Yes. So I was born and raised in Tulare, California. And for those of you listening, if you're not familiar with California geography, that's near Fresno, California. And if you don't know where that is, then sorry, you're out of luck. I'm from very, very small town, very agriculturally based. We run the the World Egg Expo, which is like the largest agricultural based event in the entire United States. Um, I went to my local community college, College of the Sequoias in Visalia, California, before coming out to Escondido and coming to JP Catholic. I have my AA in psychology because before I decided I wanted to be an editor, I thought about doing like children's psychology or some sort of forensic psychology, but God put me on a different path than that. I still love psychology. It's very near and dear to my heart. Um, So I love having that degree and having that knowledge. I think it's especially helpful in film. And after that, now I'm in Escondido and I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy that she's here too. Um, yeah, I love I love when you remind us that you have your degree in psychology because it's very fitting for the, the type of person Abby is. She's very good at listening and, and dissecting, which I think is so funny because I think it definitely helps in the editing world at some point. Um, but how did you kind of flip from the psychology path into editing? What What changed there? Well, I always knew I wanted to do something in film. Um, Nearing the end of high school, my senior year, I took a AP psychology class and I just really fell in love with psychology. But I knew I didn't want to go to university. God just told me I wasn't ready yet. I just wasn't emotionally mature enough to go to college. So I listened and I decided to go to community college instead. But because where I live, it's not really art-based. It's more, you know, you work with cows, you work on a dairy, you work with tractors, and that's not my bag. (laughs) So the counselor suggested that I just do psychology for the time being. And I was like, great, because I get to study something new and it'd be exciting. So 
I always knew deep in my heart that film was for me, but I enjoyed the academic challenge of psychology. So just doing so just doing psychology was super helpful and it's been yeah. really helpful doing film as well and working with people. Yeah, absolutely. And um when did you first start editing then? When when did you get interested in that? Um that was my junior year of high school. I took a a film class. And we got introduced to the editing program I use primarily called Adobe um, Premiere Pro. And while we were just making fun videos, you know, for grades and just horsing around, I really clicked with editing. I hadn't really clicked with film before. Like for a while, I thought I wanted to be an actress. Nice. Uh, And then I thought maybe a director, but then I directed a video and I was thinking this is a lot of work and I'm just not organized enough as a person to do it. I have experience now. But back in high school, that was just not my thing. But whenever I was editing, just everything clicked and fell into place. And I just knew it was for me. Like my editing instincts were there. I knew when to cut. I knew timing. So I knew I wanted to edit when I was in high school. But I don't think I was just ready to take that leap just yet. I had to wait. Right. And that, that's really powerful, especially like we're in this, this Advent season when we're recording it and I keep hearing the Lord is waiting for you. The Lord is waiting for you. So I, um, I think that's a really beautiful thing that you were able to hear his voice and say, yeah, I will, I will wait and see what the Lord has for me as he prepares me for this. Um, which is also kind of funny that like, that's almost where the film is at in the post-production phase. It's in the waiting phase. Like it's been filmed, but it's not ready to be seen yet. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll probably dive deeper into that as as the interview goes on, but just getting more into the technical side of things. Um, what is the process for you of sitting down and editing a film? What does that look like? So there's two types of editing that I've learned. There's editing a short film and there's editing a feature film. So I'll dive in with a short film. So you receive the footage via SD cards and what you do is you plug it in, you put it onto a hard drive And then you put it into your computer and you pull up a program, whether it be Adobe Premiere Pro or DaVinci Resolve or Avid or whatever programs you use, you go in and you create a whole file structure. You label scene one, scene two, like all your assets, your audio, your music. And you go through and you sync up everything, you know, in the movies, like you see behind the scenes and they're like scene one, take two. And there's the little like (laughs) noise. It's to sync up the sound with the the mics and like the actors, like mics that are on them. Mm -hmm. So that can take a little bit, especially on a feature film, that can take a lot. So after you sync up everything, you just start to put a little rough cut together of each scene. And it does depend on the director I'm working with. On one short film I just worked with um, on a student at school, he sat with me the whole time because his short film was um, a little unconventional in its structure. So I needed him to sit with me as I edited along versus I've edited a short that was very conventional and so I could just sit down and do an entire rough cut and then show that to the director so when you get to meeting with the director it's different it's up to everybody's tastes whether the the director wants to sit back and wait for a rough cut or if they want to be really hands-on and like learn the process versus for the feature film when I edited a film that JP Catholic shot last summer there was a group I think of eight or nine of us and everything was already synced up and labeled which was such a blessing because that can take hours and we just didn't have the time to do that if we wanted to get the film to picture lock which is when you no longer edit any of the footage like it's done the picture is locked Mm. it's the name so that was fun and that everybody got a block of about 10 scenes to edit which I don't really think is how they do it on like studio films usually there's the lead editor there usually three or four assistants and then some PAs so 
having a big group of editors like that was a big challenge, but I really welcomed it. And we got some really good like camaraderie there, like making jokes and inside jokes about the movies mm. and things we were editing. And then our professor, um, Professor Melinda Simon, who I'm very close with, she was um, like overseeing everything that we did in that class and just giving us notes and communicating to the director for us. So that was a little more unconventional. But speaking of Melinda Simon, I was an assistant editor for her and her husband, George Simon, who also teaches at JP Catholic. They shot a movie um, in March of 2022 in Michigan called Don't Get Eaten. Dun dun. (laughs) (laughs) It's a, oh gosh, could I give an accurate log line? It's a zombie apocalypse movie, but not really. That's probably <laughs> as best as I can sum it up without Great. getting any sort of approval from the Simons themselves. Yeah, that's so fun. that one I believe was a more accurate representation of what it is to edit on a feature film because they just gave me their big hard drive with all the footage. Everything was already synced up and labeled for me. I believe a student previously had done that. And so she would just give me a block of scenes about three or five a week. And what I would do is I would go through and create what's called a select reel, which is when you take footage and you cut everything right at, like right before you say like action. So you don't get any of like the setting or like the clapboard or anything like that. And you let it play out. And then you cut right after the director yells cut. So when you go through that entire reel, it's just footage that you can actually use. So the director's time is not wasted. Just having to watch a bunch, a bunch of like resetting Um, or takes that aren't used. So I would create the select reels and then just edit a really rough version of that scene so that when it came time for Melinda Simon to edit it, she didn't have to do like all the busy work. That was basically my job was to be the busy bee with all the busy work. Oh, that's fun. And was that really helpful for you to like learn how to work with, in like a more professional setting since even though you are her student, it was a professional job for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was really helpful because she wasn't, grading me on what I was doing unless of course I like messed up really bad and was not trying at all which I was not I was trying very (laughs) hard so it was different from working on the movie the school shot because we were actually being graded in that class for the work we were doing versus for don't get eaten it was more of her it was more of me showing her like what I could do and what I thought would be useful for the scene but she's such a phenomenal editor and she even has like an Emmy. So I've got to mm-hmm. listen to the woman like she knows what she's doing. Yeah. And actually, Professor Melinda Simon will be on a, another episode of it. We're going to do another post-production episode. And so we've got some exciting women, uh, both Emmy winners now, which is really cool. So so definitely check out that episode. It won't be this episode, but stay tuned for further episodes. Um, but Abby, going, I guess, a little further into that, too, with that collaboration collaboration aspect, whether it's between you and the director or you and other editors. um, What's the biggest challenge there? I could imagine maybe like a difference in artistic vision or something like that. Have you ever run into problems in in that aspect or maybe super cool moments too of like working with someone else and being like, oh, I wouldn't have done it like that, but that's how it worked out and, and it ended up working out for the better? Oh yeah, for sure. Like I said, the difference in directors is huge across the board. You have somebody hands-on and somebody who just completely steps back. So when we worked on the movie for the school, which, sorry, was called Oh, Brawling Love, so I no longer have to call it the movie my school made. Yeah. Um, we would give each other notes 
and you would get a note and think, oh gosh, like, why didn't I think of that? Like, it seems so obvious. So collaboration is a huge part of editing because you can think, oh, this is the absolute correct way to do it. And this is the only way to do it. But I was just working on a, a short film where it was the, the short film where the script was a little more unconventional and the director was sitting with me and we would just edit for about eight hours straight, just messing with things, trying to get it like as disorientating as possible. And it's just crazy what you can do and how much you can experiment within editing. You can start going one way and then do a complete 180 and then completely flip. And the results can be insane what you can do in editing. You can change a comedy into a horror mm. or you could turn a horror into a comedy. So a lot of film is in the hands of the editor, which I've now learned doing it. There were some movies where I'd think, oh gosh, like that script just brought that movie down or wow, that director didn't know what they were doing. So, but now that I actually edit, I think, hmm, what did that editor do or what mm. did they not do or what yeah. were they given? Because when we did Oh, Brawling Love, we wish that there were more takes for the movie. We, our biggest inside joke in the class was, is there another take? Because there would never be another take. So I have more compassion for editors now. I don't blame them as quickly as I used to because I've gotten some shorts where, oh yeah, like that's kind of a stinker and there's nothing I can do about it, but just try to make it as best as I can be. Right, absolutely. And I feel like that's something super cool. And I think I think overall, um, I think the whole film community in a sense, at least from the, the limited experience that I've had being on short film sets here at JP Catholic, we, we kind of have also a running joke of like, oh, we'll fix it in post, wink, wink, <laughs> meaning that like <laughs> they, we, we, we know that our, uh, our post-production people are basically magicians, but that yeah. they can't make <laughs> a film that's not good mm-hmm. necessarily into something that's good if it's just bad, yeah. but oftentimes they can, but, um, you can't blame them if, if it's just bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's really cool. Do you have um, a particularly f- favorite moment in uh, a short film or something that you have edited where you've been like, wow, this is this is very Abby. Like, this is my style. This is my, this really reflects who I am as an editor. And could you speak to that? Maybe, I don't know how much you could name drop or something like that, which you don't have to, but have you felt that in a short film or in the feature? Hmm, that's a good question. I haven't thought about that before mm-hmm. because with both feature films I've worked on, my job was kind of to just get like rough cuts done. It was different with O'Brien Love because the further we got in the class, the more we were required to really fine tune our edits. But that one was kind of hard because there wasn't a lot of coverage. So doing something stylized just wasn't in the books. There wasn't availability to do so. And then with Don't Get Eaten, my job was literally to do like poor man's job so that Melinda Simon had as much room to play as she wanted to. Mm -hmm. I would say the last short I worked on, it was called One Phone Call, um, directed by my friend Peter Gonzalez. He's so talented. He was the one who would sit in with me like editing and be really hands-on. There's the opening scene in the short is um, the lead sitting at a table and his friends are surrounding him and we can't see the lead's face. His back is to the camera. And I just have this droning sound underneath the whole footage. So it just immediately shows like this isn't happy go lucky short film. And I'm cross cutting in between all of these 
memories where they shot it on a soundstage and so it's completely black. You can't see anything but the people in it. And I'm just cross-cutting as we're zooming in closer and closer on the lead while he's sitting at the table and it gets really intense and we don't know what's going on. And I'd say that was an editing style that was more me where it's something intense and you don't know what's going on and you're kind of confused. Mm. So long story short, if you want a short that makes you confused, hire me because <laughs> I'm willing to do all the weird, wacky things oh, that can cool. help bring it to life and make it more intense and not just something flat. Like, you won't catch me editing a Hallmark film any right. day now. I like something that gives me a creative challenge. I feel like that's kind of, um, I don't know, I would love, I, I don't know if I've ever actually asked you like some of your more influential movies and editing style, but I would mm-hmm. assume it just kind of makes sense to me, like the the wackiness just from our, our we joke about Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, but yeah. I know that that's kind of a, a funky style. I know you really love Tim Burton, mm-hmm. um, but do you want to speak to any of like your favorite editing styles or, or directors that have really influenced you? Ooh, so the movie that made me decide that I wanted to do editing for sure was Molly's Game directed by Aaron Sorkin, who is the screenwriter for the social, the social network and a bunch of other um, David... Fincher movies and to kill um, a mockingbird the play oh yes mm-hmm. we went and saw that and that script was just Amazing. phenomenal he yeah. did such a great job adapting that wonderful wonderful book yeah um his style of screenwriting is just relentless his characters talk at two times speed but it's normal the way that they're talking and he just flies without it being like annoyingly hyperactive like a tiktok or something where it's just way too fast um the way he just cut, well, I'm sure he wasn't the editor of that movie, but the way that the editor was able to cut along with the script was just like, it gave me goosebumps the way he was able to just relay all the information. And of course, probably the most famous editor in all of Hollywood is Thelma Schoonmaker. I recently went to the Academy Award Museum in Los Angeles and their entire film editing section, which was small, mind you, we have a lot of room to grow in there. Their entire section was dedicated to Thelma Schoonmaker. Oh, wow. And that's just so incredible. You know, as a a woman, you know, as a female editor, it's just so inspiring to see her like up in the big leagues because most editors back in the day were women. Um, I hypothesize maybe because women are more inclined to organization and, you know, we like putting things together, you know, doing puzzles. like Making things beautiful. Yeah, mm -hmm. our minds are just kind of wired to put things together. Yeah. Um, or it could have been perhaps if we want to do a more cynical take that because women weren't really allowed behind the camera specifically that they had to migrate their way to cutting pictures because, you know, people could have been like, oh, well, they're just good at organizing. So you can put them there. But I think if the cynical take is true, then that's amazing. And how far we've come where a woman has her own section at the Academy Award Museum for film editing. She edits all of Martin Scorsese's movies and her style is you can just instantly tell that it's her perhaps it's Scorsese but her editing she does a lot of freeze frames and quick cuts which I love quick cuts so I believe I get some inspiration from her there but the fact that she's I think in her 80s and she's still cutting three hour long movies I get annoyed editing a 10 minute short film and then I have to check myself and say, well, you know, Thelma Schoonmaker, she's editing a three-hour movie in age 80. <laughs> You're 21, Abby. You can deal with it. So she's been 
a huge inspiration. And then just uh, for Tim Burton, he has basically one editor. It's Chris Levinson. And he's more of an inspiration in that he's bonded with the director almost for life. I think he's edited all but three or four of Burton's movies. And the fact that he doesn't have a stylized editing technique, but that he can use editing where it's invisible, where you don't notice the cuts that can help bring Burton's style to life, where he's just perhaps what you would call, quote, an editor for hire, which when you work in Hollywood, the for hire is like a death sentence because that basically means you're not an auteur. But the fact that he is so simple in his editing, I think is really beautiful because no matter who he works with, whether it's Tim Burton or Michael Bay, or he even, I think, was, oh, yeah, he was the lead editor for Top Gun back in the 80s, and he was nominated for an Academy Award for Top Gun. Oh, cool. So just the fact that he's able to work with anybody and elevate that film is such an inspiration because it doesn't mean you have to be super artistic or know a bunch of fancy tricks, but if you're just talented enough to bring the story to life, then that's all you need. That's amazing. And oh my gosh, I know we're a little past usually our halfway mark, but if you're just joining us now, welcome. Um, You're hearing the voice of Abby Ross. Um, She is an editor and my dear friend from JP Catholic. Um, You're listening to Letter to Artists. Um, And we've just been talking about the process of editing, uh, the difference between editing a short film, editing a feature film, uh, some of Abby's inspiration and how um, the process that she's gone through to sit down and work on these films either in a and, and always in a collaborative nature, but whether that's with a group of editors or um, in kind of the uh, with with the director and how each of those uh, approaches differs uh, depending on the director. Um, but then, yeah, she was just elaborating now on some of the um, directors and editors who have influenced her most. And it's really been a very, very interesting conversation. So um, if you're just joining us now, you'll definitely want to go catch the replay later. Uh, now we are going to pivot our conversation to the JP2 encyclical. So um, the snippet from Letter to Artists that JP2 writes this week is, Art has a unique capacity to take one or other facet of the message and translate it into colors, shapes, and sounds which nourish the, the intuition of those who look or listen. It does so without emptying the message itself of its transcendent value and its aura of mystery. Um, yeah, and I think this is a really beautiful snippet for... Um, editing I always I always applaud the Holy Spirit when he chooses these uh these quotes because I'm like I would have never put this together but then I see it on the paper and I'm like oh yes um I can see things but I just want to invite Abby do you have any personal reflections on this before we kind of dive into a conversation about it oh yeah for sure he's I think he's dead right on the art taking all these different forms like color shapes and sizes because to me art is like the highest humanity can go. Like it's absolute proof that God exists because we are created by God and he has given us the talent to create ourselves. And while we don't have God's ability, you know, to create life, like we can't play God. It's so beautiful. Like I just recently went to a a symphony and when they're playing, I'm just thinking, my gosh, like this is beautiful. Like how could one human create such beautiful music it only has to be through the work of God Mm -hmm. through the grace of God that we're able to hear the music and while I don't know if the composer is necessarily religious it reaffirms my belief in God that even if somebody might not believe it he still is giving them the gifts to bring me closer to God via their talents oh wow that's really beautiful and um, I know we were chatting a little bit earlier about the quote, um, 
And so just as an editor, I think something that this kind of calls up in me um, is you take a film, you, Abby, you take a film and you look at it sort of at its face value. So you get um, all of the footage, which would be the the camera work, all of the different shots from different angles, from um, the perspective of the story. Um, and those are kind of those color shapes and sounds that the, that the quotation brings up. You get, you, yeah, you get like the actual audio that you have to sync together with that footage. Um, and then you bring something, you bring it all together and you transform it. Um, and I just think it says in the quote, which nourishes the intuition of those who look or listen. And as you were talking about, um, I think you said it was Tim Burton's editor, um, mm-hmm. that he has that like, uh, hidden, it's like a hidden way of editing or, mm-hmm. um, the invisible, editing. invisible editing where you like barely know it's there. Is that, am I yeah, reading that correctly? And that's what I, I think is so funny. Like you, you take all these things and you want to be almost non-existent. Like you just get to direct where the person is like what the person is seeing next on the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I was reflecting on this and I know we talked a little bit about this, but I guess like, how does that mirror the work of our spiritual lives? Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, you're very much correct. The like an editor is almost like a second director, which mm-hmm. is why I kind of like it. Cause I'm a little more like introverted. So directing isn't exactly my cup of tea because you have to work with usually big crews and give speeches and all those things. (laughs) So I like working behind the computer and I get to work one-on-one with people and you get to like become really good friends with them, which is really nice. Um, But in like being a a second director, you do get to choose like what goes in that short unless the director comes in and says, oh, can we find a different angle? And of which I'm perfectly happy to do if I'm incorrect. So I think it kind of mirrors our spiritual lives because we can kind of play ourselves as like a second director. Like we are a director of our own lives, but we can begin to lead other people too Mm -hmm. as a second director. So we know our path, but we could talk to people and get to know people and really nourish their own spiritual lives too by helping be a second director to them, whether it's helping them in their craft or inviting them to church or just really being a light of Christ around them. Like I remember when you and I went to, to Disneyland earlier this year. And I remember we left really early, mind you listeners, it was like 6 a.m. <laughs> and we had no idea if we we're gonna be able to get into the park cause Bailey here is from Illinois and doesn't have a California ID, which you needed to get in. Um, and I remember in the prayer, you said, let us be a light of Christ to those around us, which probably in Los Angeles is a really necessary thing to have. Yeah, And I remember it just really, stuck with me because how we carry ourselves is so influential to those around us. Like if we're not cussing or saying things that aren't of God's word or is against his word, I think is really important for people to see where you're not wondering, oh, like, are they truly like a person of Christ? Like there are people like you, like you look at them and you just know like, oh, you are a light of Christ. Like, like you're God's like, you're God's child. Like you are a lamb of God, you know, like I think, so that's really important is to not only be a director of your own spiritual life, but to help other people learn that they can be a director of their own spiritual life as well. Wow. First, thank you. Second, <laughs> going to be crying over here. But second, um, yeah, I'll, as you were talking too, I just kept thinking of like the idea of I love that analogy of like being a second director of our own lives because, and and that's almost an act of humility. I love everything that you just said, like that, that all pierced me. And I, and it also sparked a thought in me of like, oh God, being obviously the director and the creator of our lives. And then we have the free will 
to follow what he's laid out for us. Um, and also the free will to like, to say yes and no to his invitations, but um, still allow him to lead us. If when, when we do fail to lead us back to where we're supposed to go. Um, and so I, I really love that analogy as the editor, as the second director, and then paralleling that, that was, that was definitely, that was so beautiful and very Holy Spirit led. Um, we unfortunately don't have much time left. I'm actually like really, really bummed because I kind of want to dive into more questions with you. Um, so we might just have to call Abby back on another episode and discuss. Oh, <laughs> mayhap so. Mayhap so. Maybe we'll have another hour long special just with Abby Ross. Um, but I guess one last question. I do want to ask you, how has the call to editing impacted your relationship with God? I'd say it's helped tremendously because when I was studying psychology, a lot of the times in classes they would use like, like evolution and those things. But to me, psychology was proof that God exists because how else would we get brains as intricate and elaborate as ours? Like the way we can actively talk to each other while gorillas can't is not a coincidence to right. me. So when I'm working on film now, I'm not only applying like the beauty of psychology and the beauty of our brains God has given us, but I also have the ability to make suggestions on movies. So on one short, there was a cuss word in one of the scenes and it just, it didn't add anything. It was meant to be humorous, but it wasn't funny. So I just suggested to the director, like, do you really need this cuss word right here? It's not anywhere else in the short. It's very out of place. And he's like, you know what? You're right. I don't need it. So now that being a second director, I can kind of navigate what perhaps could go out of the short film, whether it's explicit language or a scene that's maybe not appropriate it does depend on the short because I did just deal with one that dealt with suicide, which of course is like a tricky topic, but dealing with things where it's like explicitives or if there's something sexual, just something yeah. trying to to take it out. And of course, like not trying to be like bossy, like you need to take it out because God said so, but just right. trying to, again, second direct that person and trying to really understand like my inner psychologist comes out and is like, why do you want that in there? Like, why do you think that's necessary? Instead of just being a tyrant, being like, well, because God says so, like it has to go. But just trying yeah. to really understand why that person did it in the first place and perhaps try to prevent that from happening the next time. Wow, Abby, this has been all just so amazing. I I deeply appreciate our friendships and our friendships, <laughs> our one friendship that we have. But I'm just so blessed that one, to know you and two, to have you on this show today because um, I just really... I'm really grateful to God that you were able to be here today, especially on, on very last minute notice. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, but I'm just so grateful. So thank you so much for sharing your heart, for sharing your knowledge and just for being here for me and for all of us. Yes. Thank you so much, Bailey, for asking me. I'm very glad you asked me today. Yay. All right, everyone. Um, you were just hearing from the voice of Abby Ross all about editing. If you missed it, oh, you missed out on some really awesome golden nuggets. So you'll definitely want to catch the replay. Um, you can check that out on Spotify, Apple Music, or Google Podcasts. Just type in Letter to Artists. Remember that we air the show on JP2 Catholic Radio on Saturday mornings, 9 to 10 a.m. And if you are tuning into the show from afar and would like to listen, air quotes, live, you can go to jp2radio.com and click Listen Now in the top right corner. While you're on the website, definitely contact us with your thoughts on the show, on any of our programs. We really want some tangible feedback so we can continue improving the show and the station. You can also follow us on social media. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search up JP2 Catholic Radio, Letter to, Art Letter to Artists. 
Letter to Artists is proudly brought to you through a wonderful partnership between JP2 Catholic Radio and John Paul the Great Catholic University, hoping to encourage you to accept this call to holiness through the talents that God has given you. I am your host, Bailey Garland, signing off with some encouragement for your day. Be not afraid. You artists who perceive in yourselves this kind of divine spark. As poet, writer, actor, architect, sculptor, musician, feel the obligation not to waste this talent, but to develop it, to put it at the service of your neighbor and of humanity as a whole. May the beauty which you pass on to generations still to come be such that it will stir them to wonder. Society needs you, artists. The world in which we live needs beauty.